Bonito. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. Welcome to your weekly wrestling discussion of the intentionally offensive variety it is the rundown wrestling podcast i am your host jason troy is not with us this week as he is on assignment i am not alone however and i'm sure you're grateful for that but maybe not so much when i tell you who's with me because joining me for this edition of the rundown as he did last night for nxt revisited i'm going to continue to go with this because i like the man with no tan ginger in the house ginger what's up What's going on, you blue waffle lickers? How's it going? Oh, that's just that, good to be back here again tonight. That's a disturbing intro. You need to, that one, <laughs> that one needs to never come back again. But Ginger is not alone. There is a guy here who claims he looks like a famous wrestling celebrity. Personally, I don't see it. But Sal is in the house. Sal, what's up? What's up, Jason? What's up, Rundown? Good to be here. This is like two weeks in a row you're here, Sal. I don't know what's going on. What, what did we do to earn the uh, the appearances here? Uh, apparently, uh, my opinion stirs a lot of people's emotions. So uh, I'm, now you ob- know what? I'm now obligated to be on the show. It, you know what? Look at it this way. It wasn't me that proved you wrong. It was Ronda Rousey herself. All right, moving on. Now... Uh, for those of you who have been following the show lately, we have... Oh, actually, hold on. Before I get there, let me say hello to everybody watching us on YouTube. I don't know if anybody is. Troy's keeping track of that. I'm not. Um, or he would be if he was here. But uh, we are live on the YouTube, and if you are watching us on YouTube, which while well, I'm doing this, could one of you just share the link out to Facebook or something? Because, you know, it would be good. Uh, while we're doing that, if you're watching us on YouTube, please slide over to the right-hand side of your screen. You will see a chat box. That chat box, we call it the Smathers Lounge. It is where you can interact with the hosts, share your opinions, give us your thoughts. We will read them on the show. Tell us we're douchebags if that's what you feel like. That's fine, too. We'll read that on the show. I have no problem. I'll admit it myself. But that is where you interact with us, and we will interact with you back. It's a whole lot of fun, and uh, we encourage you to do it. And pants, as always, are optional. Now, it is time to start the show. The rundown is in effect, and it is time to kick it off the way we've been kicking it off for the last few weeks. It is our tournament to crown the hottest woman in WWE. And I, I just posted this thing on YouTube, on Facebook, and it's not doing shit. Okay, anyway. <laughs> behind the curtain so this week we had our last four matchups in the sexy 16 
was it Sexy 16? That's what I'm with, right? Yeah, Sexy 16. We have determined the last four ladies that will be entering the Erotic 8. They will join Zelina Vega, Tony Storm, Alexa Bliss, and Becky Lynch in the Erotic 8. So let's find out who has moved on. And ladies and gentlemen, motherfuckers, you guys continue to amaze us every single week with how horny you are, and we fucking love it. Because once again, we shattered our vote totals one more time. Every week this seems to happen. This week we bested our previous high by over 300 votes as 4,476 of you motherfuckers cast your votes this week in our tournament, and we thank you very much. But you're not here to listen to me thank you. You're here to find out who's moving on. So let's start with our first matchup last week. It kicked off on Thursday, and this was one that I thought was going to be incredibly competitive. We'll find out if that was the case, as Tainara Conchi went up against Paige. And we, I think we, when we predicted this, we might have had a little bit of dissension, but let's run through one more time. Sal, who did you pick between Tenara Conchi and Paige? That's gotta be Paige! Alright, Paige was the choice for Sal. Ginger, your choice. Same here, Paige all day. She does the anal. <laughs> Anal's the deciding factor for Ginger. <laughs> well, okay. it's more than that, but... We, we can introduce you to Xavier Woods later. Anyway! <laughs> the winner by a surprisingly large margin with a total of 929 votes to 503 moving on to the erotic 8 the lovely Paige will be joining that's a beatdown that is a beatdown and uh, I would think that would be the biggest beatdown of the week but uh, I I haven't described my latest love life so not (laughs) Not so much the case in terms of... What it was, though, was the new highest vote total for any one individual with Paige garnering 929 votes, besting Alexa Bliss from last week with her 863. And just when you think your record-setting vote total is safe, no, no, my friends, because our next matchup was Natalia taking on Liv Morgan. And this one's going to hurt a little bit for you Natalia fans, I gotta tell you. But let's run through before we get there. Uh, Ginger, your choice for this one. Oh, come on. Really? Liv Morgan. Okay. Sal, do I need to ask? It's Liv. Uh, Can I make a guess on how many votes Liv got? I swear to God, I haven't looked at anything yet. Okay, well, I went with Liv, too. But... You want, you want me to give you the percentages, and then you can guess the number? No, no, I, I, let me just guess straight out. Okay. I'm going to say Liv Morgan got uh, 1,100 votes to Natalia's four. Okay. Uh, you're a little off, but not by entirely that much. So, with 82% of the votes... To 17%. For those keeping a score at home and who want the exact number, Natalia netted herself 220 votes to Liv Morgan's record setting on a back to back vote 
Record-setting scores, the new high watermark set by Liv Morgan with 1,004 votes, Cash. Jesus. Wow. I wasn't that far off. No, no, you weren't. I told you. Well, you were. You, I'm just holding the tally a little bit. But true. We then moved on. This was the matchup I was sort of the most interested in because this was the one to me that was not a slam dunk right off the bat, and it ended up being the closest to matchup of the week. Um, as Billy Kay took on Kyrie Sane. Uh, let's start with Sal. Who did you go with in this one? Billy Kay. All right, Sal goes Billy Kay. And Ginger? Ditto right there, Billy Kay. All right, Billy Kay for Ginger as well. I myself also going with Billy Kay. What I can tell you is that this was the closest matchup of the week. It was 47% to 52%. Very, very close. 1,013 total votes cast. We had three of these four matchups going over 1,000 votes, and the only one that didn't was the last one we presented, so it had the least amount of time to vote on. The winner, moving on to the Erotic 8, and he's not here, but the one person who would have picked Kyrie Sane in this vote was Troy, and he would have been correct. With a total of 533 votes to a total of 480, Kyrie Sane takes her sliding D all the way to the erotic eight. Billy Kay is eliminated. Holy yep. shit. Yeah, sort of an upset there. A little oh, bit, yeah. There's only one I in Iconic, apparently. Or would there be? Because our last matchup would feature her tag team partner, Peyton Royce, taking on the deliciously dirty Nikki Cross. The total votes for this, 807. Of course, like I mentioned, this was the last vote to be put out to the public this week, so it had fewer days than anyone else, but still brought in 800 votes. And when you listen to those totals earlier for Liv Morgan and Natalia, you might have thought to yourself, that's got to be the most lopsided matchup of the week. Well, you would be mistaken. Sal, who'd you pick? Um, I went with... <laughs> Uh, uh. No, I completely forgot who the matchup was. It's Nikki Cross um, and Peyton Royce. Who are you oh, jerking Peyton off to? Royce, Nikki Cross. I want Peyton Royce. Okay, Ginger. The 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 picture of Nikki Cross with the black dress on, that got me. So I went with Nikki Cross. Ah, well, you uh, were surprised last round with the upset of the member of the Iconics, and if you thought that was an upset. You will not think this was an upset because Peyton Royce with 83% of the vote to 16 of Nikki Cross moves on. For those keeping score at home, that is 672 votes to 135. So, our Erotic 8 is set, and you can begin voting on that right now as you are listening to this. All four of these matchups will take place this week. They will be out there for voting on rundownwrestling.com. We encourage you to check in daily because starting tonight, right now, as you listen to this, you can go to the website and vote for our first Erotic 8 matchup as Zelina Vega takes on Paige. God, this is getting really, really tough. Ginger, what's your early thoughts on that one? Oh, uh, I, uh, I'm going to have to take a little bit to... Jerk off? Gotcha. Sal, next, who do you pick in this one? This may surprise some people, but I'm going with Zelina Vega. All right, yeah. Uh, early thoughts, right off the bat, I haven't voted yet, but I might lean towards Zelina Vega. I might have to give it some consideration. This is close. Now, 
Our Friday matchup, if you thought that one was close, our Friday matchup features the just bootylicious Tony Storm. And she takes on Liv Morgan in a battle of the blondes. And this is the thing. Every time we hear these matchups, we go, because these are all, well, this one that I don't think will be that close. But Ginger, Tony Storm, Liv Morgan. If I had, if you had a gun in my head, I'm going Lev. All right, yeah. Sal. Let's see. If you had a gun in my head, I'm going Tony Storm. There you go. Now, Ginger, to your point earlier, to you, uh, well, I guess you were agreeing with my point when I said it, but some videos out there of Tony Storm. I wonder if that will swing the vote in her favor. Yeah, well, if you didn't mention it now. I guess we'll find out. Uh, for my money, I would probably... Man, this is a really, really tough one. I would probably go live by the tiniest of margins, but that's just me. Then, Saturday, this would be the matchup I think is going to be sort of a slam dunk. We'll see. Alexa Bliss returns to action in the erotic aid as she goes one-on-one with Miss Kyrie Sane. Oh, yeah. Ginger? Oh, come on, Alexa Bliss. She's going to win this whole thing. I'm calling it now. Sal? Alexa. All right. I would have to tend to agree. I would go with Alexa on that one. But this is what I think is going to be our biggest contest yet, our toughest matchup. I, I, I legitimately, gun to my head, cannot give you an answer to this one because I need to think about it. Because on Sunday, the heavyweight matchup of this tournament to this point takes place when the man, Becky Lynch, takes on Peyton Royce. Goddamn. Ginger, who you got? I'm going with the ginger. All right. Because it's that tough. Because like. Right, wait, wait, don't don't don't, don't no, no don't do anything with the letters. Sal, who are you picking? Uh, I maybe it's oh they both have an accent though oh no it's it's Peyton Royce I can't believe it but it's Peyton Royce. All right, so I guess I have to cast the deciding vote here. Uh, if it's me, I'm still fucking pissed off at Becky Lynch for eliminating Mandy Rose, so I'm going with Peyton, oh, Peyton Royce. Oh, come on. I, it's my fucking vote. I can be a bitter bitch with it if I want to be. <laughs> That's what I'm going to be. But don't take our words for it. Please go to rundownwrestling.com right now and start voting in the Erotic 8. Check back every day. These matchups are so tight. Every single vote can be the deciding vote. We have had some of these contests decided by one vote. So legitimately, every vote can count. So if you are a supporter of one of these ladies, or a bunch of them, go and vote. We encourage you. It's uh, It's been an amazing, amazing run in this tournament so far, and I can't wait to see where we go. i got to come up with a name for the... the I can't do Final Four. That's too obvious. I was going to say Final Four. I was, I was thinking maybe the Fappable Four, but we'll work on yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say the Fappable Four. I was going to say that. There you go. See, I, now I'm thinking like Ginger, so i got to change it. Anyway, <laughs> now that we have completed talking about all eight of these smoke shows, we're going to go to the next even number, and it's time to talk about... A fucking tan! Leading off our perfect ten tonight. This week, we saw that the superstar shakeup might not be quite over. And neither were the name changes. And I say this because 
for no real apparent reason on television given, Andrade and Zelina were moved back to SmackDown. That meant Aleister Black also moved back to SmackDown. We had Samoa Joe move to Raw. And we had the Viking experience changed to the Viking Raiders with a ha- with a asterisk, like, for now. So, I, I, I'm going to let Ginger, you, you kick this one off on your thoughts, because I don't want to hog the whole thing. Okay, I mean, uh, the Joe thing we kind of saw coming anyway, because apparently he was sick last week, so, and considering the fact that SmackDown had gotten Finn Balor with the IC title, I mean, you're not going to have the U.S. and Intercontinental Championship on the same show. So that was a given right there. Um, the, uh, the, the Viking experience Raiders, uh, I mean, I understand why they did that. I mean, I think they had to. Um, due to that museum finally bringing that up to them. Um, I It's better than the Viking experience, but I have a feeling Vince might give into it at this point because he, I understand, doesn't like the word war, but goddamn especially me and you discussed this last night, they're still calling them the War Raiders on NXT tapings. Mm -hmm. Gotta get that fixed. Um, As for Andrade, uh, I think they want to use him, and they just couldn't find anything for him on Raw. So, they don't want to... Well, no, I mean, it's it's already stacked. They already have all their storylines going into Raw already. So, SmackDown just put him in there and hopefully my guess he'll, he'll run a few to Dallas to black and yeah just go from there give that guy something because he is a fantastic worker don't let him sit around and do nothing all night absolutely oh, um, the one silver lining Andrade yeah oh yeah absolutely the one silver lining to this is that we might actually get a payoff to the Balor Andrade program we might get that that we wanted that they sort of started and then had to drop uh, Sal, your thoughts on the changes that we saw this week to the shakeup? So, Tom Phillips had a throwaway line at one point in the middle of SmackDown where he said, The shakeup continues. No reason given, but <laughs> I guess whenever they feel like moving somebody, they just go back to the shakeup continues. Um, I'm a fan of Andrade staying on SmackDown. I think they played into it at least decently with Zelina bringing up, Oh, Finn was trying to run from us, so now. You know, again, they're feuding with Finn, and who knows, maybe he does get an IC title run. The thing with Joe, I don't understand why you don't have an opening segment just saying, um, you know, hey, SmackDown took our Intercontinental Champion. We weren't going to, you know, let that slide. We signed Joe something. Just mention it before he just shows up there. <laughs> that, that to me, seemed very, uh, just like they didn't give a shit. Um, now, as far as the Viking Raiders go... I, I think because, like you said, because of that museum, they had no choice. It just, it's a bad look. I mean, I'm, you know, it just makes them look like everything's rushed and, and you know, they do everything second, you know, second chance or, you know, hey, we got it wrong, we'll, we'll fix it. And they kind of fixed it. Just let these guys wrestle. That's all, you know. 
so with the Viking Raiders, my bigger issue was never the team name. It was more the individual names, and those stayed the same. So I'm still a little bit pissed off about the whole thing. Um, and again, and, and our good friend Brawler Malonis uh, talked about this on this week's uh, WPAN, too. I want to give him a shout-out. Um, and he's obviously much closer to Todd than I am. He's helped train him, I believe. So um, my whole take on it, it, it's not that I'm pissed off explicitly that they changed the name. It's that they, I, I feel like they did the team a disservice by changing the name. Like they took all the recognition that they had away by taking away their names, and they changed them to goofy names that makes you take them less seriously. That's right. just my take on that. Anyway, but I do like Viking Raiders more than I like Viking Experience, and we'll find out on Monday what has changed uh, this week cause as the carousel continues. Did you notice what they uh, called the finisher? They called the fin- their finisher the Viking Experience. And oh, I was okay. like, you got to be fucking kidding me. They had that's, to get it in there. <laughs> that's sort of tongue-in-cheek, though. I, sort of, I, could, I, can, I can respect that a little bit. That's, that's sort of like having a little bit of self-deprecating humor in there. It's like, just get I'm rid of it, for God's sakes. <laughs> All right. The other guy, you know, guys that came over or stayed or moved, was there anything that they should have done just to explain that away? Like, So here's, what, here's where I'm going to take a bit of a different path from my usual thing. Because typically I would sit here and say this is shitty storytelling, shitty continuity, failure to follow up and blah, blah, blah. To me, this is where I feel like they sort of benefit from not having GMs because there is no competition. It's the McMahons working together. So I can easily see a scenario where the McMahons are like, you know what, yeah, we shouldn't have moved that guy. We're going to move him back. There's no consequences to moving people back and forth at this point. So it didn't bother me that much from a storyline, uh, kayfabe perspective because, it's like I said, they're not. it's not like Stephanie competing with Shane. It is going to be interesting to see how they promote Survivor Series this year, given that. But we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Um, I, I will say I give them a bit of respect because if you believe the stories, Fox was upset that they moved Andrade because they want to simulcast on their Spanish Fox language Boy. station. Um, oh. And they wanted some Latin representation on the show. There are other reports that suggest Charlotte was none too happy that her boyfriend was moved off the show, and that was a big factor in why they moved him. Who knows? We'll never get a straight answer on that. Um, well, the thing with Fox is that uh, they had moved all of the uh, Spanish superstars off of SmackDown. They moved Ray. Um, that's it. Ray, Ray and Andrade. That's Ray and Andrade. I was going to say the Cologne. I don't think they moved. No, they're actually still there. They could just start using them. That would help. Yeah. You never know they were still there, but they were still there. Yeah, no, they're still there. Um, But yeah, so I I will say this. Once you had to move Andrade back, for whatever the reason is, hats off to them for moving Zelina as well, because you had to move them as part of the package. I didn't want you to split them up as a team, because they're fantastic as a unit. And then I give them credit for moving Alistair Black to keep the husband and wife together. Because that's not necessarily something they've always done in the past. Um, although maybe husband and wives, they usually have but boyfriends and girlfriends. I think they've split up in the past. I know Cass and Carmella was a big one at one point. Um, and I think there were a few other ones, too, that were but points But Dean and Renee was split up for a good year or so. 
when she was on Raw and he was... She's an announcer. She doesn't travel to the house show circuits and all that. That's a completely different animal. Um, But yeah, so I mean, I I give him credit for for going to lengths to keep that. And once she decided to move Zelina and Andrade back, it was just sort of a string of dominoes that you had to move. It put him in a bad spot. I would have preferred some sort of kayfabe storyline reason be given, even if it was simply that the McMahons changed their minds. Yeah, but something exactly. to to just explain it, other than "oops, yeah, we forgot to do this" kind of thing. Um, and Joe was sick last week, and I understand that, but there's zero reason you couldn't just put a video package. Cedric wasn't on TV last week; they just put a video package that said he's coming to Raw. They could have very easily done the same thing with Joe last week. Uh, I think it just makes it look like they're they're sort of on not on the same page. They're they're not they don't have they're their shit together. Um, yeah, but, it makes it look like they're scrambling. Like yeah, exactly. Um, but even more so than that, and this isn't necessarily related to the shakeup, but it is something that I noticed on this week's Raw. We, and I thought actually it was a pretty, pretty decent Raw. I didn't hate it. Um, Iowa is an awful crowd though. They were fucking dead. The crowd, the crowd didn't have a, I mean, when Baron Corbin is in two matches, you're, you know, you have a limited amount of stuff to get interested in. But, um, but, but here's the thing. We started the show. We opened the fucking program with Michael Cole saying, we have these two six, uh, these two triple threats. The winners of those triple threats go on to say... And then we start with Seth Rollins and, and Hunter in the ring, and we have everyone come out to set up the match as though we weren't just told this was what was going to happen. <laughs> the yeah, that's fuck? The, that's the bigger continuity issue. You, you do the in-ring... the program with that. Yeah. You do the fucking... Is Michael Cole's new gimmick spoiler? Because he did that with the Braun Strowman mystery partner thing a couple weeks ago. That's his new fucking gimmick. He's the guy that ruins all the fucking surprises. Holy shit. Kevin Dunn's in the truck like, God damn it, Mike, again? And he's like, fuck you. No, because they put up a fucking graphic, so he was definitely not going rogue on that shit. Yeah, no, that was that was a little bit of a, of a fuck up on that one, I think. So we play we play the graphic now? Yeah. Oh, wait, we probably should have waited for Triple H to talk first. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. All right, but moving on to something that, well, depending on your viewpoint, may or may not have been great. But we saw, after a the much-anticipated return to the WWE, of Bray Wyatt this week. And we had talked about the creepiness of these vignettes we'd seen with the the buzzer popping out of the box, which was more comical than creepy. But then you got the witch in the rocking chair, and that was really creepy AF. But the payoff, the payoff was something I don't think any of us really expected as... No. (laughs) As Bray Wyatt turned into sort of a psychotic Mr. Rogers, and he's now hosting a children's show on the WWE programming called the Firefly Funhouse. This was very, very polarizing topic amongst the internet wrestling community this week. I'm curious to see what, how our opinions go, but let's start with Sal. Sal, what did you think of the Firefly oh, Funhouse? Well, <laughs> Ginger started last round. So you one of the biggest one. Bray Wyatt fans. Okay. Initially, I didn't know what I was watching when he came out. Um, in, in the you know you had the old laugh track of the crowd and it was very very hokey and I was like whoa what are they doing but what intrigued me was when he picked up the chainsaw 
and sawed the cutout of his old self in half and then laughed like he used to. And I said, you know what? There could be something here. And that's where I ended. I ended with my curiosity was piqued and I want to see where it goes. So I'm not upset about it. I think there were definitely a good contingent of people that were that like, this is retarded, da 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 But I'm going to get I'm sorry, mentally challenged. Mentally challenged. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> but there were also reports that came out later in the week that maybe the sponsors weren't happy. And from what I read, uh, that might have been the case. But Tuesday, they doubled down and aired the same package on SmackDown. So it seems like they're going to continue with the character. And I, I want to see where it goes. Actually, that's a very interesting point because... And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about AEW lately, but I think it does tie into that a tiny bit. Because here's the thing. Every, one of the things everybody keeps talking about with AEW is, oh, it's fucking great. These guys are so cool. They're so edgy. And it's easy to be cool and edgy on your YouTube channel. When you're on network television and you have standards and practices up your ass, it's not as co- easy to be cool and edgy. And you end up with a product like WWE that people say, oh, it's watered down. It's for kids. It's blah, 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 blah. We'll see how long AEW keeps that cool and edgy thing once they get up and running on network television. But that's a little segue I, I was curious about. Uh, it just popped into my head. I thought it was worth mentioning. But Ginger, your thoughts on the Firefly Funhouse? Okay, so again this week I didn't get to watch Raw on Monday. But once I heard everything blowing up, I was like, I'm going to go check this out because this this seems weird. So I went on the Ootubes. Oh, you were one of the two million people to have viewed this video since Monday. Yes. By the oh, way, uh, again, for, the, for, those, oh. for those AEW fans, uh, two million watched that, 150 watched the latest being the elite. So tell me again how you're going to compete with WWE. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Jesus. So I watched it. Didn't know what to think of it first. Mm. Watched it again. Still was just like... What the fuck is going on? So I went back today and watched it again. So that makes me three out of the 250 million people that have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, million. two million. Two million, sorry. Whatever it is. I fucking love it. There it is. <laughs> Seriously, like, like I said, it took me three times to realize what was actually happening because it was kind of like it, it was it took you by shock like you knew it was going to be bray but you didn't know what they were going to do they didn't know if they were just going to bring back the, uh, the original bray or if they're going to change it and they fucking went full board and changed this whole thing so if standards and practices doesn't like it but it brings in ratings which According to the YouTube, it did. They're going to keep going with it. And if they do this correctly, this could be a huge hit for the company. So, I love it. I'm in. I'm hook, line, and sinker. I'm fucking in. So, uh, I'm going to... Go ahead. Just before you... Do, you <laughs> this is this is twice now you've prevented me from having an opinion, Sal, but go ahead. <laughs> we're, we're two topics in, you've done this twice. Go ahead. The guy who didn't want to go at the beginning. Okay, go, go ahead. Go, go for the second time now, Sal. Just, Jesus just, Christ. Some of the details in the video were amazing. 
Waylon the bu- I mean Mercy the Buzzard, uh, and then of course the little witch Abby the Dark Witch. I I just thought you know the attention to detail was on point. That's it. That's all I was gonna say. All right. Well, by Sal's fucking time, second time he took up all my points. So moving on. No. Um, <laughs> so allow me to. So here's the thing. Allow me to say that I loved this with the potential to hate it. And I say that because I need to see where this goes. If they continue to go down the sort of dark and creepy and progressively gets more and more um, sort of violent and he starts to rediscover some of that and this is how we get to the Bray Wyatt we should have had all along, I'm fucking there for it. If next week he's interviewing puppets and and we continue to progress more towards that side... I will hate it. So, well, ba- get ready to hate it because you know that's exactly where they're going. Based on what I've seen and the fact that I love that the, and nobody, neither one of you brought this up yet, but the the hate and heel gloves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I sort of wonder if that's going to be a thing. Like sometimes he's going to go one way, sometimes he's going to go the other way, and so split personality. Yeah, yeah, oh, sort of like that. And I think that could be a really, really fucking cool thing if they end up going that route. Um, so for now, I liked it, and and I, I, I to Ginger's point, I hated it when I first saw it because I was like, "This is a fucking joke." And then I watched it again, and I started to understand it. It's not the type of thing you can judge after one watch. It really isn't because there's intricacies and levels to it that you need to sort of take in before you pass judgment on it. So I thought it was kind of fucking cool for now, and we'll see where they go with it. But there's a lot of fucking potential there if it's done right. We'll see how. I know. I just I pray they don't blow it. Well, and that's the thing. It's hard to have faith in them at this point that they can right. pull this off. They blow. They, they ruined the broken hotties. I mean, that was handed to them on a silver platter, really, even with Jeremy Borash. But um, I do want to give Troy credit because Troy pointed this out. Uh, he made a reference to the scene in It when um, he's on the talk show. And in the crowd, and I was like, you know what? That's a very valid point because that does have that same kind of creepy feel to it. Yeah, and if uh, if you want to hear more about Sal, of uh, about uh, Troy and horror, check out the Slasher Sanitarium on Anchor now. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, we had an interesting thing happen on SmackDown this week. I'm sorry, Monday Night Raw this week. I'm still not used to AJ Styles being on Raw. Happened on Raw. As we talked about the triple threat matches earlier to determine the number one contender, ultimately it came down to Baron Corbin and AJ Styles. And I gotta tell you, I don't know how you guys were, but I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm watching it come down to those two, and I'm thinking to myself, after fucking months in the current angle, they're gonna fucking put Baron Corbin in the championship <laughs> match of the pay per view. God damn it, this is where we're going. I saw that too. I saw Jinder, all, Jinder Mahal all over again. Did you say Ginger Mahal at first? No, I. <laughs> it's a character for you. Oh wow! Uh, anyway, anyway, um, but that wasn't what they did. They gave us AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. Now, this is an interesting, uh, interesting thing. You got a little mute button there, so you can hit that next time you need to do that. Anyway, this is an interesting thing because I don't know which way they're going with this. And I say that because (laughs) 
I don't want to be Sal, because we mocked Sal in the past for the whole, I want to see this great match, I want to see this great match. Fuck it, not now. I don't want to see it now. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, because I really fucking do want to see this. And I'm really glad I'm going to see this. But, I feel like something like this should have had more build. Should have more time to simmer. And yeah, we got a few weeks till Money in the Bank. But it just feels like AJ's coming to Raw cold. And his second match in on the promotion, he's earning a championship match. And we know Seth isn't dropping this title. So to me, it just sort of takes some of the sizzle out of what could have been an amazing match at SummerSlam if it was the first time they meet. Now, interesting to note, this is legitimately the first time these two will meet in singles competition. As far as anybody has been able to find out that I've seen, they've, they've worked tag team matches together, etc., etc. I think they were on opposite sides of Survivor Series at one point. Um, really? But they've never, even in the indies, faced off one-on-one, as far as I can tell. So this will be a first time. And this is a legit fucking dream match. The things these guys can do in the ring together is going to be off the charts. My problem with it, my problem with it, is that I don't see us getting any sort of real finish. I see this sort of being similar to AJ and Nakamura, where we go pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view, where there's no real finish, nothing actually happens. There's DQs, there's countouts, etc., etc. Both guys try to stay strong, and in the end, we're just left with a feeling that what we just witnessed in this program was flat. And I hope we don't go that route. But the one thing they could do, I think, that would save this from being flat is an AJ Styles heel turn, and that's what should fucking happen. Sal, what did you think about this one? I love the idea of AJ uh, facing Rollins. Obviously, uh, that is a dream match, and the time <clears throat> the timeline makes sense. Uh, AJ was in TNA the entire time until Seth signed with NXT, pretty much, or FCW, wherever he ended up. Yeah, being Seth was in ROH at the time, yeah. Yeah, and then and then AJ left TNA to go to ROH and then New Japan, so they never would have had a chance to work together. And WWE has done a decent job of keeping them apart. I have seen some um, opinions online that think that maybe WWE is stacking money in the bank because the week after that is double or nothing. I don't well, know. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Also, I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm not a viewer, but. The night of Money in the Bank is also the night of the series finale of Game of Thrones. Yes, I heard about that as well. So it would make sense for them to stack the card. Um, but to your point, AJ and Seth needs to be epic. So I don't even mind if they want to do a three-match series. Just tell a good story, please. Yeah. That's all I'm asking because AJ needs a good story right now. He's kind of just... Which is where which is where I think a heel turn could be, could be huge for this. Yep. But, to that point, Vince always has loved his little Mighty Mouse character. And I think that's what AJ is. Oh my god, when they did that backstage interview and he said, I'm not the biggest dog in the fight, but I, like, I was like, he called himself a bulldog. I'm like, so he's gone from pit bull to bulldog. Fucking great. Alright, good. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it. I was, I was in the same boat as you. I was like, dude. If they put Corbin in there, it's gonna be absolute dog shit. Nobody, see, nobody, nobody would have stayed for it. Nobody see, wanted to watch that match. I would have. I think that would have been a better way to go. To be completely honest with you, see, I don't necessarily mind Corbin in there because it's you're feeding your baby face 
His first defense, yeah, exactly. His first defense is a guy you know isn't going to beat him, but is a guy who's been sort of built up over the last few months. You're going to have, and we'll talk about the match on the other side, so you've got another match that can close the show. You don't need Corbin and Rollins to close the show. Um, So I think this was like sort of the perfect spot to put a Corbin match in, and then you sort of close that circuit. He can lose. He can go back to the mid-card, and we can be sort of done with the Baron Corbin thing for a while. Then you can start building to to this program. So for me, it was that's that's why I said me when I say it, I think it's a little too soon. Yeah, I feel like it, it could have been rushed, but I think they do want to completely 100% stack the card. Especially if Game of Thrones, because people are going to want to watch Game of Thrones because more than likely people at your work are more than likely going to watch the Game of Thrones and possibly spoil it for you. And you can stay off social media all day and not get the results for the pay-per-view. Right. So I, th- I think that's what they're really going for, but... Uh, I think the match is going to be unbelievable if they let them do what they can do and not kind of damper it down unless they have a uh, a decent match. They don't let them go full board. They run a program with them, and then the last match, they let them do whatever they want. That's, that's what they tried with Nakamura and AJ, and the last match was not... It wasn't. It was the last man standing, but it wasn't anything special. It wasn't anything to write home about. Because Nakamura is just mailing it in now. He doesn't well, care. Quite, quite possibly. Um, I will say this: that they they have to lay a foundation in the next four weeks. And I, what I don't want to see is I don't want to just see. Well, Seth, I'm gonna fight you, and and we're gonna see who's the best. And then it's just like you know how they do like the hokey face versus face. I don't want to see that. Like, give I don't them an actual story. Yeah, they, they, I think they'll be smart about this, unless they have somebody interfere in that match, and then one breaks off. Hey, it's money in the bank. You never yeah. fucking know, right? Yep. Like, yep. Oh, does anybody know what time, because I, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but what time does that show come on the air on Sunday? I want to say like 10 o'clock. I think it's t- 10 o'clock. So it would be yeah. interesting to see what time they start the Rollins uh, AJ match, especially if they're planning on having the other match close the show, because if they started at ten, then you know why they put this match on that card. Yeah. So uh, just getting caught up on the side before we move on to other topics. Uh, Arthur in the in the chat room said, uh, "Live smoker." Obviously talking about Natalia, hundred percent correct. Uh, Smathers said he voted for Kyrie, and he was in the winning group there. Uh, also said Peyton picked the right one. Uh, Arthur, a very happy Peyton won. Uh, yeah, they, they went back and forth about Peyton a few times. Uh, Smathers says, uh... <laughs> Not for airing. Smathers said Viking Raiders is definitely better than Viking Experience. 100% agree. Uh, what did he say? All, both of them? I don't know what that means. What's that in reference to? But, uh, he said he's all in for the Firefly Funhouse. I think we pretty much all said the same thing, or at least cautiously, yeah. cautiously in. I don't know about all in, but we'll say... Like we we got the tip in there for a second. We haven't gone you know balls deep yet. We'll just see. Just the tip. Just for a second, just to see how Love it feels. Anyway, uh, he looks buff as hell too, and that's another great point. Why it looks mm-hmm. like he's in tremendous shape. Fucking uh, Rick says Rollins is keeping his title for a while. Lofi, on the other hand, isn't getting out of money in the bank, and then corrected Ooh. himself that he meant Kofi. Uh, I know who he meant. 
Alright, Smiley, Smiley says 9 p.m. Central for Game of Thrones. So that would be 10, 10 p.m. my so time, 10 so we were right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's what that is. So, let's, tell, let's, let's delve into the world of SmackDown for a moment. Okay. Since Peyton Royce is the topic on the uh, side, should we talk about that next? Yeah, let's do that. Because this week, well, both weeks now since WrestleMania... Your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the Iconics, are now 0-4. They have lost every match they've been in, and that's not just singles matches. They've lost a tag match, they've lost an eight-woman tag match, and two singles matches. Sal, I know you had Sal, I know you had a specific point you wanted to bring up on this. I'm sure you're wrong, but let's find out. What do you have to say, Sal? Um I got news for you guys. They're keeping those belts, no matter who they face at Money in the Bank. Uh, and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna lose. And they, I watched a video, uh, WWE.com exclusive, after they lost, and it was the funniest fucking thing. Mainly because of Billy Kay. <laughs> Unfortunately, for Peyton, she continues to crack up when Billy when Billy Kay does those backstage segments, and she can't keep it together. But these girls are so fucking entertaining. Even when uh, on SmackDown, when they were like, "What's it? Is it Kerry? Kerry saying?" And then Billy Kay's like, "I think it's Kiari." <laughs> it's just, oh my god! I fucking <laughs> die every time these two get on a mic. Now. I also die a little bit inside when I watch them wrestle, but that being said, I think the act works. I, I want to see this continue, and I hope they do keep the titles on them. Even if it's by shenanigans. Alright, so now we've discovered how Sal's wrong. Ginger! Um, they'll probably keep them on them. I don't think they want to hot potato those titles. I think they'll, they're the only official tag team on the main roster. Oh, no, you got Fire and Desire. Uh, yeah. And now you've got the Oscar uh, Pirates. Yeah, that's true, too. But that's three out of how many females? And you have uh, Lady Groot and the artist formerly known as Batgirl down in NXT. I was going to say, they're not in the main roster, though. Yeah. No, but the titles can be defended in NXT. Since they haven't brought them down to NXT in the first place, like you pointed out last night. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to drop them. Um, I guess is they're gonna probably work the Oscar Pirates at Money in the Bank, but I have a feeling it's gonna happen another multi fucking team match with Naomi I finding a partner. I hope not. That's a possibility. I hate those. Yeah. Well, Naomi's one. beaten her twice now, so you gotta think that's that's done for a reason. Say that again. Sorry. Na- Naomi's beaten them twice now, so you gotta think that was done for a reason. Yeah, I'm over Naomi. But, but it's uh. So is the, so is the Detroit Police Department. Aww. Which oh. Well, oh, the Usos thing, yeah, that was fantastic. It's not on the list, but we can talk about it for a second. Okay. Uso, Usos were cutting a backstage promo, and Jimmy <laughs> something about being arrested or locked down, and just has this great moment where he pauses and looks at his brother very judgmentally. It's a fantastic piece of business. Absolute fucking genius by them to do that. I don't know if it was in the script, but if it wasn't, kudos to them for getting that in there because that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I, I agree with the two of you that these titles are not going anywhere off the iconics for a while. 
And Sal, I agree with you that they're entertaining in these backstage segments. Uh, I thought it was a little creepy that the cameraman hung out while they went to the bathroom. That bothered right. me a little bit. I think that felt you like something. you got to be joking me. Yeah, that was like, I think they got you too, me too'd right there. Um, but, that said... Um, me too. Here's the thing that, that popped into my head. This is becoming everything that I talked about when I said... Sasha and Bailey were right to be upset about dropping those titles. These titles are now being booked as a joke. They're on a comedy act. That comedy act isn't even winning matches. They're just, you know, drop it, drop it. They're not, these titles are not being taken seriously by the company. And Sasha was correct when she was concerned. They, I said it when, when this origi- we originally talked about the Sasha thing. To me, it wasn't necessarily her saying, I don't want to lose the titles. I want to be champion. It was her saying, I want these titles to stay credible. We worked too fucking hard to get to the point where these titles are are in existence for them to go to the fucking B team of the women's division. And I sort of feel like that's what happened. And I feel like those titles lose credibility every single week these girls go out and take a clean pin on television. And... She was 100% right. That's exactly what's happening. And I care less and less about those titles every time they go out and lose, lose those matches. I mean, you were 100% right because you said they were going to get treated just like the men's tag title yeah, would. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it is kind of nice seeing those two every week on both shows. Sure, so, absolutely. But but that's that's not the point. The point is the credibility no, I, of... I, I get it. I'm these titles more... Yeah, no, these titles more than any other title, I think, needed a period of strong credibility. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely. don't think they were given that period of time. I think we went two months into it right into comedy. Yeah. But, I mean, the other side... So let's say you want it on a heel team because you want... You know, you want to establish a babyface team who can chase. You can do one of two things. You can do it with um, Tamina and Naya, or a team like that where they're dominant and they're just running mm-hmm. through everybody, which is a you know tried and true formula. Or you could do it with like the snivelly heel that like barely escapes with their title, and I think that's what the iconics are going to be. And who knows? Maybe if Naya doesn't get injured, maybe that is a, ro- a, a route they went down at one point. You know. But for now, I don't see anybody else in that division able to hold these titles. No. Well, uh, it's, yeah, it's tough. But back to uh, somebody else brought this point up. You can't do a multi-woman tag match every pay-per-view because they just did that a mania. You can't. Can't keep doing that. You can't being. Rep- you can't keep doing the repetitiveness. No, not if you want to keep the titles credible. But they're not. That's the fucking point. It looks like that's where we're headed again. But okay, if Kyrie so... just got the pin, I mean, isn't she? Yeah. Kyrie. Okay. So Kyrie got the pin. Naomi got the pin on them two weeks ago, teaming oh, with Bailey, right, right. and then beat them in singles match this week. Yeah, I forgot about that. So let me ask both of you this. <clears throat> Would you rather have the Iconics win them at WrestleMania or Natalia and Beth Phoenix? Well, Beth wasn't going to stick around. I mean, no, if she things. was, though, I'm speaking hypothetically, but which would you rather have done? Natalia and Beth Phoenix 
bring an air of credibility as wrestlers to the exactly. titles. So I, if I had to choose between those two, I would have gone with Tamina and Nia, and I'm not a fan of them, but I think there's a big story to be built there as big, nasty, credible heels carrying those belts and setting up for a huge babyface moment when somebody beats them. Um, I think that would have been a better choice than the Iconics do. And I love the Iconics. I really do. I was, If you can go back and listen to previous episodes of this show, I was one of their biggest supporters when they were in NXT. They have regressed to the nth degree as in-ring performers, I think. I don't know how that happened. Uh, unless, that's the, unless that's the gimmick. And that's what Vince the wants them to. It's got to be yeah, what they want the them to do. I, I think Vince wants them to be sort of the wrestlers that can't wrestle, and maybe that's how. That's awful. It is, but it is awful. But I mean, he was ready to go with Eva Marie. He was ready to do the yeah. exact same thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I, I just I feel like, you know, you can like or dislike what she chose to do, but I feel like this is sort of a vindication of what Sasha was uh, upset about post WrestleMania, but. We could talk about Naya. Oh, uh, Smather says, how about Naomi and Nikki Cross? Crazy glow. Okay. And uh, can't give them to Naya and Tamina because of Naya's surgery. That was planned, not sudden. Well, you say that was planned, but, I mean, if they had won the titles originally at the original pay-per-view Elimination Chamber, they worked into WrestleMania. They could have carried them for a couple months and then defended and then lost them at Mania to Sasha and Bailey, and you could have started the Sasha and Bailey run at that point. So there were options. But speaking of women's, multiple women's titles, let's go over and talk about Becky Lynch because it was a big week for the man as she was announced that she would be facing both Lacey Evans and Charlotte at Money in the Bank in two separate matches. Uh, What's that? Laundry's done. No, my dildo's charged. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty big. Yeah, well, you know. That's what she said. Anyway. <laughs> so we had two different segments here to discuss. We had first on Monday Night Raw, Becky got into a little thing with Lacey and faced Alicia Fox. And then on SmackDown, she had a promo battle with Charlotte to set up their match at Money in the Bank. I got lots of thoughts on this one, but I'm going to monopolize this conversation if I go first. So, Ginger, what are your thoughts? Um, I, you know, I, I was skeptical on Lacey Evans. Um, I thought her promo was pretty good uh, towards Becky, and Becky showed exactly why she has both straps alone, just on the microphone. Working that promo, her lines, and I, I have a question for you, gentlemen. What is a plank? It's a really thin, tiny, narrow, not muscular woman. Okay. Thin, because thin, I, thin as a board kind of thing. So they always yeah, talk about Charlotte Lacey's not having. Not, Lacey's not really a plank. Well, thin, thin kind of. Well, but anyways, I digress. I really enjoyed the promos. Um, it was good to build it up, and it showed that fire for Becky's promo skills. Straight fire, I mean? it was Straight fire. Straight fire! Um, the match with Alicia Fox, oh my god. Just, oh, Fox needs to go. 
<laughs> she's gonna go. But like, she got lost over and over and over and over again in that match, and it it showed that she is not capable of performing anymore. Because um, anymore. Was her... <laughs> well, before she wasn't that bad. She could at least keep up. But this match just was like it was fucking bad. Um, unfortunately, my stupid ass didn't watch the segment on SmackDown. So, Sal, what do what, what do you think of this whole situation? Back when they first did the undisputed championship, and the Undertaker, the American badass, was the champion. I feel like he was two different characters on SmackDown and on Raw. And Becky, to me, didn't cut that great of a promo on Raw. And I thought she made up for it on SmackDown. Because maybe it's just the uh, comfortableness with Charlotte or whatever. But I thought her promo on SmackDown was great. Um, I think they're putting her over like a million bucks, having her defend the titles, uh, both titles against two different people on the same night at Money in the Bank. I'd love to see her walk out of Money in the Bank with both titles because I think you got to keep it going for a little bit before you immediately take one of those titles off her. I have a feeling, though, that one of those titles is coming off of her and, you know, whatever title she ends up with is the show she ends up on after Money in the Bank. But all in all, like I liked Becky on SmackDown more than I liked her on Raw. So... I agree with Sal in that I think Becky's promo is pretty fucking basic. And I don't think Becky's been great on the mic for a while now at this point. She was for, I want to say, post-Survivor Series after the Nia Jax thing. For a couple months, she was on fire on the microphone. But I'd say during a large chunk of the WrestleMania build and since... She's taken a step back on her on her mic skills. I, I just haven't been a fan of the promos. I don't know if it's over-scripting. I don't know if it's them trying to write for what they think the Becky Lynch character now is. I, I don't know. Um, what I can tell you is I've been less impressed than at any point since Becky had this, this man run that's been going on. Um, also think it was really, really bad booking to put her in there with Alicia. I think you need Becky to look super strong, super good. You need to put her in there with the best talent you can and to stick her in there with someone who just legitimately can't hang with her and was going to give her a shit match was not the way to go. Um, I did like Lacey's performance. I thought it was good. I do like this sort of juxtaposition of the man versus the lady. I think that's sort of cool because, uh, you know, we can't do intergender in WWE, but that's the closest we can get. Um, but uh, And Lacey coming in and hitting her with the right hand, again, sort of took two of them to knock her out. And that, if that's your finisher, that needs oh. to be devastating. And I don't feel like they're putting that finisher over as devastating. I think the first punch was a total miscommunication, and Becky didn't either the ref didn't tell her, or B she didn't feel the connection, so she just no sold it because she kind of like she hit her, and Becky just kind of stood there and then like like turned her head and like saw her there and just kind of crumbled it just looked very odd but the second one i thought she did a lot better job on that one yeah i mean it's possible and we'll see where they go from here but 
for the time being, uh, you know, I, I just I, I, I have a theory, by the way, on Becky's promos. Okay. Because I've I've noticed they have gotten they're not as good as they used to be, and I think I was, I was still going, but that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, you've already interrupted. Go ahead. I I think that when she was supposed to be a heel post SummerSlam. She she knew her niche and she just went out there and and like you said it was straight fire and then now that they're writing her as a baby face I I don't think she feels comfortable um or I mean that that's the only thing I can think of because it it's just not good anymore and it was so good at one point and that's why I thought on SmackDown she kind of found it I, a little bit I don't think it's progressed I think it's sort of just stayed the same thing. And I think, like with anything else, if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's going to get stale pretty quick. Um, now, as for the SmackDown segment, I thought it was good. I thought you, you put these two women in a ring together, and it's always going to be good. Um, I think Charlotte has a credible beef, having lost her title without ever, um, ever being pinned. So she has a right to sort of want the rematch. My problem with this is sort of a bit of a shoot of what they said. Like, I, I need you to move on from Becky and Charlotte. Like, mm-hmm. there's been too much of it. It's not special anymore. It's not something I get fired up for at this point. I've seen it far too much in every possible way, shape, scenario. You've now got a roster on SmackDown full of women that would be exciting matchups for Becky. Ember Moon, Bailey, hell, Mickey James. Um... And you're going just right back to this fucking well we were in prior to WrestleMania. Right back to the same fucking thing we've already we've basically been doing since last SummerSlam. We're still gonna do it. Um, I I we'll get to predictions when we get closer, but I can very easily see a scenario where Charlotte takes that SmackDown women's title, Becky goes back to Raw, feuds with Lacey, and Charlotte begins a program with Bailey. And I think once that happens, if that's the way they go, we'll be far better off for it, for keeping these two women separate on separate brands and away from each other for a while. And I think a Charlotte Bailey feud could be fire uh, if it's done right. Uh, Smathers on the side chiming in says, uh, Becky needed Ronda, surprisingly, uh, if they focus her against Evans because we all know Charlotte is getting the SmackDown belt back. Uh, Becky might get her groove back. So pretty much, I think Smathers mostly agrees with what I was saying. Uh, Sal, do you have anything else you'd like to interrupt me with? Um, I actually would prefer Becky, like I said, keep that title for a little bit because I want to see Becky versus Bailey. I want to see Becky versus Ember. I don't want the nine-time Charlotte Flair women's champion. I think she needs to take a step back from the title for a little bit. Well, buckle the fuck Not up, because that's what's about to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Charlotte is Vince McMahon's... Roman Vi- Reigns? <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Everything revolves around how to get the belt on her, same way it does him. That's the way and it they're is. Gonna, they're going to try and make her the 16-time women's champion. Speaking, daddy. speaking of Bailey. Bailey, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander all got new fresh starts on new brands as singles wrestlers, and they all immediately took clean pinfalls. Because Bailey lost the number one contenders match to Charlotte, Ricochet lost clean in the middle of the ring to Robert, not don't call me Bobby Roode, and Cedric Alexander 
took the L against who did he face? I don't even remember. Cesaro. Cesaro. Okay. Cesaro. Well, Cesaro was debut. So that was a debut for both of them. And there was zero chance of Cedric going over Cesaro, really. Uh, because, oh, yes, we forgot to mention that in the shakeup. Cesaro, the bar is no more. Cesaro is on Raw. Sheamus oh, staying on SmackDown. So in an era where they have a shortage of quality tag teams, SmackDown gets heavy machinery and loses the bar. Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ginger, what were your thoughts on these three taking clean losses and their fresh starts? Um... I guess we could also throw Chad Gable out there who just got fucking decimated on SmackDown. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Ginger's on SmackDown too, I should mention that. I don't I don't I don't understand. I don't anyone gives a shit, but like I know you don't want to give them the big rise as soon as they come in, but don't make every single one that is starting something new job out. That makes it look just it makes everybody look weak but as for Bailey Bailey should have won it and then done a heel turn uh, right, the, Bailey, the Bailey heel turn is like the Roman Reigns heel turn we need to stop right. waiting for it it's not going to happen exactly never know you just never know I'm waiting for the Bailey sex tape that's what I want and then, then yeah. she'll turn the heel that's the heel turn I want to see. There you go. Um, Ricochet, uh, he got a bunch of wins against the Raw Tag Team Champions. Make him take a loss. Um, so that didn't bother me too much. Um, pretty good match mm-hmm. uh, with Robert Rude. Don't understand it, but okay. Uh, I really enjoyed the Cedric and Cesaro. I've always enjoyed Cesaro's work. I think he's a fucking freak when it comes to his power. Um, and Cedric, I feel like, is a great matchup for him, too, honestly. Yes. Yeah, because he basically used his power to flip around yeah. Cedric and just use it completely against him, which yeah. I thought that it was really good. Um, and I like the fact that they put over his amazing European uppercut. By that being the finish. His European uppercuts have always made everybody pop, and you might as well make it look fucking strong. Um, yeah, um, I don't like all of them jobbing, but I Ricochet, I could have seen the other two. No, they should have. They should have won. All right, Sal? So the only one I really have a problem with is is Bailey losing because I think Bailey's done a number of you know enough of that in the past couple of years and if you were to get Bailey versus Becky at Money in the Bank you really are stacking that car with another match that we really haven't seen since NXT. Um, Alexander I thought looked great against Cesaro and with Cesaro redebuting as a singles I don't think. You want him to take a loss? Same thing with Robert Roode. He is now a brand new character. They're going to push him a little bit as a singles. Um, he got a clean pin, but he also threw Ricochet uh, shoulder first into the post. A little bit something of why Ricochet lost. Um, I'm not surprised that Ricochet and Alexander lost, and I don't really have a problem on it unless they keep losing. Then I'll have a problem with it. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be, I guess, the only one here. I really didn't have a problem with any of these. 
Um, so let me agree with Ginger. Um, I have no problem with Ricochet losing because he's got a style. The fans will forget about that loss yeah. the second he goes out and does some ridiculous high-flying thing next week and gets a win on someone else. Um, Rude needed that win. Uh, yeah. He's been mired in sort of a tag team role. Thank God they are letting Rude be a heel because that is where he will shine in well, that role. Well, that's the money right there. And, and to... to your point, Ginger, I hate the notion of, like, a, a heel being Bobby. Like, it just sounds like a face name. Like, I like I like the change to Robert Root. It, like, I'm, uh, I'm professional, I'm better than you, I'm elite. Like, I just like that. It has more of an asshole sound to it. So if you're going to be a heel, I like the Robert Root. And fucking points for the porn stash, because that was fucking great. <laughs> you look like goddamn Tom Selleck out there. I, I was, now, okay, so the... the since we're going to talk about the sweet mustache. Okay. This trying? is like interrupt Jason night. Okay, go ahead, Ginger. What do you got? I'm no, sorry. It's all good. Go ahead. Are they pushing for a Rick Rude-esque style from the 80s? Because that's what it looked like. Just it's, that, that's, it's, it's got just tones of it. I'll say that. I think yeah. they just wanted something different. I felt like he went from like black hair to sort of brownish, too. That was a little... Yeah. I don't know, maybe that's just me, maybe it's the lighting, I don't know, but it looked okay. a little different. Um, now, Cedric, as it's been said, I don't think anybody expected him to go out there and beat Cesaro. I think he had, he was allowed to make a good showing for himself, and I think that sets him up well. I mean, there's definitely a ceiling on how far I think Cedric Alexander can get as a cruiserweight on Monday Night Raw. But we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong, because I'm a big fan of Cedric's work. Now, to the one that might be the more unpopular opinion on this, um... I don't have a problem with Bailey losing in this match. And I'll tell you why. As much as I just said I don't need to see another Charlotte Becky program, and I don't. That said, we need to go back to the drawing board. And the way you go back to the drawing board with Bailey is to establish her as that underdog that people fell in love with in the first place. So having her lose these matches, and if Charlotte wins that SmackDown belt, you can have Charlotte in a program where they're holding it over her head. Like, look at this. You didn't beat me. I got this shot by beating you. And Bailey can go on a little bit of a losing streak and help rally the fans behind her. That is how, in a weird way with Bailey, that's how you're going to build her back up, is to have her lose quite a bit for a little while. Um... So I didn't have a problem with that, because I think that's a big picture move, and I can see the big picture as it's taking place. So I was okay with the Bailey loss. I, I was really okay with all of these. I, I didn't have much of an issue. The one that I sort of was more upset with out of all of them, to be honest with you, was Chad Gable, because that guy needed to establish himself. You set him out there with Jinder Mahal, so you gave him an opponent that he should be able to go out there and beat, and you just used them as fodder for Lars Sullivan. And I think that was just a waste of both. But that's me. All right, so now I'm done. Now you guys can talk. The thing with Bailey, and maybe, maybe I got too sucked into that promo because when she came out there and she was like, oh, you know, Becky, you can't remember how many times you beat Charlotte, but I can tell you how many times you beat me. Zero. And that's and then still when, true. Uh, yes, and then but when Charlotte was trying to talk over and she's like smacked the mic out of her hand, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I want that. I want Bailey badass. I want Bailey to be like, I'm fucking sick of this shit. But Bailey, the underappreciated, angry, frustrated underdog, is where they're going, and that all feeds into it. What you yeah, just saw. Yeah. 
That's true. That's true. So I hopefully that's where they go with it. I mean, that's what I would do if I was in charge of the book. But you know. One thing that did happen this week was we had sort of a major announcement for All Elite, especially as it relates to Double or Nothing, as finally the mystery surrounding who Cody's opponent at that event would be was revealed. It will be his brother, Goldust, a.k.a. Dustin Rhodes, uh, who quietly, very, very quietly, apparently asked for and received his release from WWE, all the while on social media saying he was under contract, he wasn't requesting anything, blah, 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 so... Uh, I guess playing nice with the company, unlike Luke Harper, and got what he wanted out of it. So uh, he will go to Double or Nothing to face Cody in a brother versus brother match. Um, guys, your thoughts on that? But then the overriding point, and, and Troy brought this up in our host, and I thought it was an interesting discussion. All Elite continues to sign all this talent, but at what point is is how much? I guess is too much for all the, in terms of signing talent that they can actually use. Go ahead, Sal. I want to speak about the match announcement first. Um, I thought the promo that Dustin Rhodes did in, in that um, YouTube video I thought was really good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was it had a real feeling to it. And I like that when you go back and, and watch the uh, Road to Double or Nothing videos, um you kind of got hints that it was going to be Dustin. Like at one point, like I think it was one of the first videos, uh, they were like, hey, Cody, uh, you know, <clears throat> so-and-so's on the phone for you. And he's like, yeah, I'll call him back. Like uh, you just, these little hints like, yeah, that's his brother and, and there's something going down there. But um, it's a Cody-Dustin match. Do, do I think it's going to blow the roof off of the, you know, the, the MGM? No, but... It's fine. I think it's a good opponent for Cody at this point, given his character. Um, back to the overall thing, are they signing too many people? My my only counter to that is that when you have a talent roster, not everybody is going to be used or healthy at the same time. I mean, Joey Janela, I don't even know if he's actually cleared. But he just had a major injury that took him out for a while, so I don't I feel like mind. we're going to end up with Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc, but that's just my guess. Probably, but I, I don't mind them locking up talent. I think it, it is getting to the point where you're going to sign too much, but I don't think they're there yet. I think they're they're right where they need to be. Okay, um, I'm going to go before Ginger this time so that he doesn't cut me off again. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding, Ginger. Um, I think the best description I heard of Cody and Dustin. Uh, this week is that it has the potential to be a five-star story for a three-star match. And that's sort of the best way to sum it up. Because the story they tell going into this can be fantastic. And I thought the promo Dustin cut to that end was was great. I thought he did an amazing job. Dustin's always been a really, really good promo, I've thought. Um, and, you know, at his advanced age, has always been able to still go. Uh, he's sort of the definition of that. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was uh, mm-hmm. type. And I think he can do really good things uh, with his brother out there. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that plays out once we get there. <sighs> I do think it's sort of funny, and somebody brought this up, that we hear month after month of, oh, WWE's just giving me the same old, same old, and we're all excited about All Elite, which now features three matches that are rehashes of things we've already seen. In Dustin and Cody, the Bucks and the Lucha Bros, 
and Kenny and Jericho. Uh, I am, of course, I'm most pumped on that show for Hangman Page versus Pac, uh, because that's something fresh, that's something new, that's something I'm excited to see. Uh, and, and Lucha Bros and, and Bucks is going to be good. We've only really seen it once, but it's still going to tear the roof off the building. This is not going to be, this is going to, they're going to play into the emotion part of this, and hopefully that's what it is. I think it almost would have been a cooler way to do it would have been to have a couple people sort of, if SCU or somebody else sort of up Cody's ass or some other tag team and Cody has a mystery partner and at that event that night we find out it's Dustin then you play into the storyline over the next couple things and finally Dustin or, or Cody turns on Dustin and there you go you set up your match uh, I don't like sort of just the shotgun nature just doing it to do it so we'll see how it goes um but I, I am sort of at least optimistic that the story can carry to a decent emotional um, investment in a match. But we'll see. Uh, as for the is too much talent thing, um, they're definitely at that threshold. And the problem is, and this is sort of one of those things that I've been saying for a while with AEW, and I... On record, I, I very much hope they succeed, and I'm rooting for them to succeed for the sake of more places for the boys to make money. Um, I think there's an element where you can crush under the weight of the expectations you set. And I feel like they've sort of allowed their fan base to set these expectations that they're going to be competing with WWE, that they're going to be on that level, that they're going to sign all these guys who are misused, and all of a sudden they're going to be top guys in AEW. And the thing people seem to forget is that there's they're called top spots for a reason. There's a very, very few amount of them. We're already seeing that they want Adam Page at the top of that card. We're already seeing that they want Pac at the top of that card. You know they want Omega at the top of that card. You know the Bucks are going to be at the top of that card. So where are you going to put a Ty Dillinger? Where are you going to put a Dean Ambrose? Where are you going to put... God knows who... People need to come to the realization that these people who are mid-carders in WWE, they're going to be mid-carders in AEW. They might have a little more creative freedom than they had in WWE, and that'll be a yeah. big plus for them. But they're not going to get, like, they're not going to be that. There's a reason. WWE doesn't often completely miss star talents. Cody's really one of the only ones I can think of. How many people have left WWE and gone on to be better off? Not many. Well, Not many. Well, they always you, trickle back. Yeah, you, you can, we'll come back to you, Sal, because I want to let Ginger have his original take Absolutely. on this point. Go ahead, Ginger. Um, I could... Honestly, I'm going to probably get shit for this. I could care less about the Dusty and Cody, or Dustin and Cody match. It doesn't... I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Cody's work. Uh, I like Dustin's work. I just... Uh, I don't... I've seen it once. And it, it didn't mesh well. And, of course, people are probably going to turn around and say, well, they were told what to do and such and such. But I think Dustin was the agent for that match. So, no. Like, you've seen what they can do. Obviously, they were going to try and play into the Stardust, Goldust angle, but... I don't know. I, I don't see it being the match that everybody is, like, freaking out about. Um, that's my opinion on that match. Um, but I could, honestly, I could care a lot less about it. Um, as for signing too much talent, I'm not sure how much they have from what 
from what you guys say, they have a shit ton already. Uh, Greeny makes a green. Uh, Greeny makes a very valid point. Um, how many guys can you have at the top? Six, maybe tops before it starts to dwindle down. Are, is jealousy going to set in right there? If they're not in the top spot? No, and... no but you're going to have the fans who are going to be pissed that the guys that they thought were going to be top guys coming in that weren't underappreciated in WWE are going to be equally underappreciated in AEW. And that's where the fans are going to fucking turn on them, mm-hmm. just like they've always turned on the WWE. Yep. So, right there, it explains <laughs> how this could possibly I don't want it to it could possibly turn into a failed project for them I don't want it to I want it to succeed but there's a reason the expression is it's always easiest to be the backup quarterback because everyone just remembers all the good things you do they forget the bad things because the expectations aren't as high for you and most of the time you're not out on the field so you're not given the opportunity to fuck up so AEW is sort of the backup quarterback. They haven't had a chance to fail yet. They haven't had the same weight of expectations. So far, these guys have run one one-off show with no like repercussions for anything they did. No standards and practices. Nobody to answer to. Um, this it's going to change, and we're going to see oh, how yeah. they, we're going to see how they adapt to it. But uh, Sal, did you have one more thing on that before we closed off? Yeah. Speaking of. of- that dynamic changing um you know hey good on them they sold out double or nothing and and i'm sure that if they do an all-in in september uh, you know all in too they'll probably sell that out too but to your point uh when they do because i'm sure they will get a tv deal you know then it, what's your numbers going to be every week not just tv but what your house is going to be every week um and and I think everybody who's <laughs> they're so not gonna, they're not going to do house shows. So oh, okay, fine. But that being said, um, I, I you had mentioned like who else has left WWE and, and proved to be a success, and I think that Neville is one of the reasons why people think that Ambrose is going to go to AEW and get a top spot or Ty Dillinger because Neville seems to be. Given that top, you know, feud with with uh, with Hangman Page and and but like you said, they're gonna focus on Cody. They're gonna focus on the box. Th- these are the guys that they're expecting to bring people in. So, yeah, I, I think Neville's great, and I think he is probably gonna be very successful post WWE. But do I think a lot of the other guys will that have been released? No, 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 not at all. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, John has joined us on the YouTube chat. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, Hi, said, John. He said he actually liked the attitude Bailey's been sporting since the shakeup. Uh, I like watching Bailey shake anything. Uh, also yeah. said uh, Dustin's promo was good. The match is not filling him with excitement, though, and I think that's exactly where you're going to end up, too. That's where you're starting. I feel like that's where you're going to end up. Uh, so moving on, are we... Setting up to see Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon at SummerSlam? I ask that because 
it seems like Shane has taken up the mantle for his father, which is sort of, I, I really like that touch, given what she just did with The Miz. And like, who puts their hands on another man's father? It was tremendous work by Shane. Uh, but Shane is now <sighs> sort of seconding Elias, who is going to face uh, Roman at Money in the Bank. She leaves a good amount of time before SummerSlam. We know SummerSlam and WrestleMania are usually the times we see McMahon's in the ring. So, are we setting up for Shane McMahon to be in a big program with Roman Reigns heading into SummerSlam? That's a big old yes, Captain. Um, I like it. Uh, because they can... I, I love, in storylines, when they backtrack to previous events. Um, I hope they bring up the fact that Roman absolutely murdered Shane with that coast-to-coast into a spear. Um, where everybody literally thought Shane had been dead. Um, I like it. Uh, I think they could probably do some creative stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we are absolutely 100% going to that. And, uh, as for Elias versus Roman, I've seen it at a Boston house show. I enjoyed the match. They've done them on raw. I enjoy their matches. I think they cling very well to each other. Um, I just hope it doesn't kill Elias after they're finally giving him a match instead of just playing music on shows. Um, well, we got uh, John on the side said he need they need to put the elite. I'm sorry, they need to have the title scene exist independent of the core guys. Uh, otherwise, it just looks like they started a promotion to put themselves over. Uh, I think they're going to put the title on. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, I, well, I think they're going to put the title on Adam Page, and I don't think that's going to be an issue because Adam Page is sort of the the next big guy, and he's the guy that hasn't been in that spot before. So I, I don't think there'll be nearly sort of the blowback of him being put at the top of that card. Uh, also, says Smathers says uh, Roman Reigns is going to give Elias another concussion. And John says they seem to be doing the right things in the never-ending quest to get Roman over for the moment, which I'm good with. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with this, and I think it's good. I think it's interesting that Roman is working Elias at Money in the Bank, because it means Roman isn't going to be in the Money in the Bank match. Um, it means they're going to keep Roman out of the title picture for a little while, at least. Yeah. Probably, if it is a program with Shane, probably through SummerSlam, which is good. I don't think they need to throw Roman right back in the title picture. I think you'll no. start to see some of that resentment come back mm -hmm. if he were to jump right in there right away, especially when a guy is as beloved as Kofi has that belt. So until that changes, they certainly don't want to do anything. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I could be there for Roman and Shane. I think Roman, Shane would sell, his, sell Roman shit like crazy. Uh, I think it would help Roman to have a smaller opponent who will do some crazy shit for him to help him get over and uh, establish Roman as sort of the badass on SmackDown that he's been in the past on Raw. So I think there is something there. Sal, what did you think? So, surprisingly, Shane might be the perfect heel for Roman at this point. Um, had Roman stayed on Raw and you kept putting him at McIntyre, you already saw that wasn't going to get Roman the most cheers. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna up the game, though, because they have an event, a very important event in their minds, coming up in Saudi Arabia in June, and I think that's where we'll get our first Shane versus Roman matchup. Okay. Now, whether that matchup has a real finish or maybe Elias helps Shane get a, a cheap win, 
uh, and then that leads into a bigger match at SummerSlam, that's a possibility. But You'll be returning to the site of Shane's victory as the best in the world. That's right. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll see how it plays out, but I think it's definitely interesting the way they've chosen to build this Elias match, and I do think there's a reason for the way they've chosen to do that. Now, what we saw on SmackDown, much to the surprise of probably no one, Kevin Owens, the despicable bad guy that he is, turned on Kofi Kingston and beat down the WWE Champion following teaming with him in a tag team. Well, I'm sorry, he wasn't teaming with him. It was a one-on-one match with Nakamura, who, by the way, had one of his better matches in recent memory with Kofi. Um, they were taking, they were competing against each other. Kevin, the Rusev got involved. The New Day ran in. Kofi, in a great touch, Kofi saved Owens, delivered the Trouble in Paradise, and then ate a super kick from Owens. We all saw this thing coming. I think sort of the cool thing was that there were a lot of moments where we thought it was going to happen, it didn't happen, and then it happened out of nowhere. So I thought they did at least that part of it well. Um, I would have loved to see him run with this big O thing for a little while longer, just to sort of really set up the friendship to make the heel turn even better. Um, but I also understand we've got X amount of time before Money in the Bank and we needed to build it. I thought Kevin Owens did an amazing job playing psychotic, sort of snapping uh, out of nowhere I thought he did a great... He And he's got... We talked about the story. He's got a credible story. That was supposed to be his spot at WrestleMania. Kofi took it away from him. Um, so I think there's 100% believability here. I think this is great. And I love the fact that it wasn't Kofi that ate the apron powerbomb. It was Xavier Woods. And the reason I particularly love that is we have Big E already laid up. Owens has now taken out Xavier. So now they go into Money in the Bank, and Kofi's got no one to watch his back. Owens can do his underhanded cheap shit, win the title, and it doesn't necessarily hurt Kofi because his backup wasn't there. Sal, what did you think of this whole thing? Jason, you'll appreciate this as an old-school wrestling fan, and I'm not going too old-school, but there was a, I think it was a Halloween Havoc in 1995 where Ric Flair was teaming with Sting against... Uh, Arnie Anderson and Brian Pillman. And everybody knew it was coming. Even Sting knew it was coming. And he was like, Flair, I swear to fucking God, if you screw me, I will kill you. And the second Flair got in the ring, he screwed (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I thought of when I saw this turn. Uh, We all knew it was coming. It didn't make it any less amazing. (laughs) Because Owens is so fucking good at it. And uh, to your point, he dropped the goofiness and all that, you know, stupid shit the second he super kicked him. It was just gone. It was like it never fucking existed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, you know what? Fuck, I think it works all the way, all around, too, because outside of, of the Big E heel turn, which we had talked about going into Mania, this makes the most sense. Like you said, Owens had the title shot. He was Vince McMahon's chosen one. And he got, he basically got kind of screwed, and I think this actually puts Owens in a position that he will be booed, given how over Kofi is. 
And I think it gives Owen a chance that Owen's a chance to really have that credible long top title run that he never got with the Universal title because the goal was Goldberg at that point. So yep. uh, I think it gives him an opportunity that he's been you know due for for a while at this point. So I'm I'm, I'm here for it. And I think it's going to be a really good match between the two of them at Money in the Bank. I don't know if they do the title switch right away or if they build this to something at SummerSlam. I could totally see it going out to SummerSlam, but especially knowing that Roman's going to be tied up, it makes sense for that top title to be Owens and Kofi for an extended period of time. Uh, but I'm there for it. I think this is going to be a great match, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, Ginger had to step away, I think. Is he back? No? Sure. All right. Oh, there he is. Oh, right, here he comes. All right. Sorry. Ginger, we almost skipped your turn on this one. So uh, I, I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> Kofi and Kevin Owens, what are your thoughts? Um, I like it. Um, everybody, if you didn't see this coming, you're blinder than a bat. Um, simple as that. But uh, I like it. Um, uh, I think they might take the title off of Kofi. Oh, I, I don't I, think Kofi was ever intended for a long-term run. I think this is going to be a short run anyway. But will it be too soon for him to drop it? I don't want him to because I think he deserves a little bit of a run, but I have a feeling they're going to do it. Well, like I said, I think this, I, I just made sort of that point. I think this could very easily run to SummerSlam because with Roman tied up, it makes sense to have these two sort of run a long program to SummerSlam. And maybe they switch the title and the, the story is Kofi challenging and chasing, and that could be this money in that to be had. Or maybe they have Kofi hold on to SummerSlam as the crowning moment for Owens. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. And that's when um, you're going to see the return of Big E, and he's going to do his heel turn. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. I, I transition just, all that heat from Owens right to Big E immediately. I, exactly. See, no, see, that's the worst thing that could happen, though, guys, because then you're taking all the heat off Kevin Owens winning the title and putting it on Big E turning. You don't want to do. You don't want to do those two things together. No, 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 but, not together. I, I, if 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 I was booking this, you have Owens beat Kofi while the new day is out, like you yeah, said. Yeah. Woods is hurt. Do it now. Then have uh, Kofi chase. And when he finally gets his chance, maybe like in a ladder match at SummerSlam, that's when you have Biggie show up and turn. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, exactly. That's a better scenario. All right, that's going to bring us to our main event, including my favorite topic this week, because unless you were under a rock, you might have missed the news that CM Punk made a return to the world of professional wrestling this week. Was he on WWE? No, no, no. Uh, AEW. Nope. 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 Impact. Uh-uh. No, he went to some small indie promotion in Wisconsin run by Silas Young, wore a mask, ran into the GTS, and ran out. This set the wrestling world on fire. Um, with, of course, rumors that CM Punk is ready to come back to wrestling, that he might be a double or nothing, etc., etc., I have an interesting thing on this, but and, and a piece of info I'm not sure everybody is hip to. But, Ginger, what were your thoughts when you heard this news? Well, I was going to say, well, you know, you keep dishing it off to me and saying, why, why, don't, you, why don't you start this fresh off there? Well, okay, so fuck CM Punk. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I agree with that. So, I will say this. I did find it funny, because he has said in interviews in the past, if he ever made a return to wrestling, you wouldn't know it, because he would run in... At wearing a mask at one of his friend's shows, hit somebody, and run the fuck out. And that is literally exactly what he did. Um, 
I think if he is likely to return, AEW is the most likely spot for him because of the completely reduced schedule, the fact that he'll have a lot of that creative freedom that he wants to have. They'll have to put him over as a top guy. Tony Khan worships at his altar. Um, So I think it makes a lot of sense for him there. The interesting thing that I'm not sure everyone is hip to, and I found this out today, 12 hours after this story broke around the Internet, the Twitter account of one Vincent Kennedy McMahon began following CM Punk and AJ Lee. Now, I understand that Vince doesn't necessarily sit on the keyboard and log into his own Twitter account. But I also what the don't hell is tweet. I also Twitter. don't think this type of shit happens by accident. And maybe it's just them trying to capitalize on the, the buzz, and that's possible too. But knowing what bad feelings exist between the McMahon family and CM Punk, it's hard to imagine them using this for for leverage. So I gotta ask the question, does this mean something? And we've seen them very very, very bad relationships in the past in the sake of good business. Shane McMahon is still running around calling himself the best in the world. There's a lot of open spots where a return would make some sense. And certainly would ignite the product on fire just in time for a debut on Fox. So I gotta ask you, Ginger, is this CM Punk mask run-in something or nothing? I almost think it's a little bit of both. Um, he completely fails at his MMA, and I believe he did another um, jiu-jitsu tournament and got last place in his weight class. Um, I think he's realized that it's not his sport. He can't do it. He needs to make money. And what better way than to fall back into what you made most of your money in your life doing? Um, Also, I think every wrestler that stops wrestling gets bit by that bug. He's getting bit, and he's getting bit very hard. This is like that annoying mosquito, like that that keeps going in and out of your ear. It's like, and you're like, what the fuck? And then it finally gets you. And that's exactly what's happening to Punk. Sort of like uh, a drill dough. A what? A drill dough. Yes. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he's getting bit. Um, and fuck CM Punk for just what he did and how he did it was very unprofessional. But back to your point, Jason... A lot of hatchets have been buried with Vince. Um, So take it for what it is. Um, Yeah, it's it's so up in the air. You don't know what's going to happen with this, if anything even does come of this. Now, if I were Vince McMahon, I would buy that exact hoodie that CM Punk wore, buy a copy of that mask... (sighs) and have someone doing fucking run-ins, and they would get over as the biggest heel when that mask came off, and it wasn't CM Punk. That's just... The, that's Could just, you imagine? I, I, absolutely what I would do if I was Vince. <laughs> By the way, 
every fucking indie company in the world is now going to have someone run in and do a GTS in the hopes of getting a little press out of it. So to get ready at your local indie to see a lot of that shit. Hop on that uh, bandwagon. Sal, as the resident biggest fan of CM Punk on this chat, uh, why don't you tell us your thoughts? Is this something or nothing? It's <clears throat> it's going to turn into one of the worst things punk has ever done and that says a lot given his history and it's going to turn into punk at what is he 39 40 at this point yeah. uh, uh cashing in a huge payday at something like all in two for one or match blood, blood money in the sand three no 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 it's <laughs> going to be an AEW thing um I don't think this particular incident means anything because I think, from what I've heard, it's not the first time he's done it. It's just the first time it got noticed. <clears throat> but he's going to get paid a lot of money from the cons to do one match, and then he's going to fuck off and he's never going to be seen from again. Um, I don't think he goes back to WWE. I think that McMahons would love to have him back. I don't think he goes back because I don't even think he's as popular as he was uh, in 2014. I think a lot of people, myself included, have soured on him. Um, I'll, I'll take credit for souring Sal and CM Punk. But... And he may not get the reactions he used to get, even in Chicago, where, from what I heard, they cheer Cabana over Punk, considering he's in a lawsuit against oh, Cabana. See, I think you're wrong. I think there's still, because it's sort of the forbidden fruit, I think it's the thing that... Yep fans know that they can't have so it's the thing they want more than anything um to that point as much as i'm not a fan of what cm punk has done and how he conducted himself etc etc i'd still be there for punk versus omega and if they can make that oh, happen yeah. i will fucking tune in to watch that um fucking but, mark but one thing <laughs> you guys you guys didn't touch on this the whole vince mcmahon twitter thing what do you what do you make of that I mean, like you said, I think it's them trying to capitalize, but I don't think there's a relationship but, but, there. But, 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 the, the, the thing with that, though, Sal, one of the things Vince is most famous for is you don't mention the competition because it makes them on par with you. So for Vince to follow CM Punk almost is a tacit admission that CM Punk is on Vince's level. And I don't think Vince would do that just for the sake of of a little press. I don't think he thinks CM Punk brings him press. I think he brings CM Punk press, in his mind. So, I, and I don't think, he, like I said, I don't think he's the one running his Twitter. But I don't think whoever is doing it is unilaterally going and doing something like this. I think there's got to be a reason behind it. I don't know what that reason is. But I think there's got to be some reason. Yeah, um, and... It's kind of shocking that Punk hasn't blocked Vince's Twitter, too. Because why would he want to be in contact with a guy that he just had some serious fucking heat with? Uh, that's that's the, the, the thing to do, is if you don't like somebody, you just block them on the Twitter. That's what all famous people do. Um, it's It's interesting. I'm looking to. Uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Uh, and to your point, Sal, I think the fucking the wrestling fans would blow the fuck up if CM Punk came back. 
Yeah. Like, they would go bananas. Yeah, oh, that's true. Because that, they, they almost... Hold on, give me one second. They almost want that as much as they wanted John Cena to turn heel when everybody was booing him. It's what is wanted by them. Right. My, my thing with it. the WWE is that how many times in his career has Vince McMahon publicly admitted he was wrong? Not not often. And, and uh, oh, I don't think this would be Vince McMahon admitting he was wrong. Oh, no. no, 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 no Vince no, didn't no. fire Punk. Well, I mean, I guess ultimately he did, but Punk was the one that chose to walk out. So a Punk return would almost be a Punk admission that he needs WWE. What I'm yep. saying is Vince McMahon very publicly went on Austin's podcast on the WWE Network and was basically, oh, we didn't fire him on, on his wedding day on purpose. Um, we would love to see CM Punk back in the company. Wasn't that Hunter? I think one day, huh? No, this was this was this was Vince. Okay, that was the Hunter one, but and 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 Vince made it very publicly known, like he he thinks that they would have a relationship again. And this was back in 2015. So I think Vince wants him back in the company. I don't think Hunter wants him back in the company. I think that's yeah. really have your you know the fallout is between Hunter and Punk. So. You know, obviously Vince calls the shots. Would he love to have Punk back? Of course. Would Punk ever go back? I fucking doubt it. There'd be a lot of money on a CM Punk Triple H match at this point. That's oh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, so catching up on the side, John says, nobody does emotionally detached post beatdowns better than KL. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> they might enjoy Kofi in the position of chasing the title. I think we just saw that. I think it definitely is a recipe that works. Uh, my wife popped in to say Ginger's beard is better than mine. Okay, well, fuck you then. Uh, John says CM Punk appearance. Meh. Okay. <laughs> uh, my wife says hi, Sal. So there you go. Uh, Smathers says I can imagine how hard Jason would be for a Punk return. I'd be tying a noose hard around my neck. Uh, <laughs> and my wife says this sucks without Troy. Thanks, honey. And I think that gets us all caught up on that. So... Oh, real quick, because Punk was absolute dog shit in MMA, right? So if he did go back to for a match in AEW with Omega, and at 40 years old, if it sucked, would it be the biggest disappointment in wrestling history? Ooh. No, I think there have been a lot of big, much bigger disappointments in wrestling It'd be history. up there, though. I, think it, because I, I don't how... think it would come close to monster trucks on top of... Uh, Las Vegas buildings. But what expectations do we have for monster trucks? I mean... Well, they we hyped it up pretty awful. big. I don't think we knew how awful it would be. <laughs> we didn't think the what, about, what about the Yeti? The but... How about the Yeti? Oh, oh yeah, that was pretty bad. The, the, yeah, the but... anticipation of the big egg at Survivor Series. And who no, would this would be like so... Lex Luger not beating Yoko in 90. There you go. Okay, so... Would... Since it's a different era, would it be more of a di- would it be considered more of a disappointment? Because I, in my opinion, everybody is more vocal nowadays about their opinions. So I would say it'd be up there. I don't think it would be the biggest disappointment ever. It'd be up there though if, if he failed. He went out there and he sucked, and but he got a twenty million dollar payday from AEW. People would be pissed. Oh, of course they would, but they don't give a shit because well, Punk wouldn't give a shit because he got his twenty million. Yeah, exactly. 
So that would be the last time you ever see him get in wrestling, right? Yep. All right. Well, before we sign off of this topic, allow me to say, fuck CM Punk. Fuck now. CM Punk. If you want to know where the indie performances that you can go hopefully see CM Punk come out in a mask are, <laughs> we're going to run you through a couple. Ginger, why don't you tell us what's going on in Beverly, Mass. Alrighty, Pro Wrestling returns to Beverly, Mass as Elkmania kicks off its 2019 event series on April 27th for What's Up, Danger? In the main event, Ring of Honor's never seen team of Tough Guy Inc., Brutal Bob Evans, and Tough Tim Hughes defend the net three tag team titles against the Middlesex, Middlesex Express, Stephen Broad, and Stephen Lust. Bay State Gold is on the line when the current champion, Derek Conway, defends against Main State Posse's Alexander Lee. One of Elk Mania's most popular wrestlers, Insane in the dick lane will defend the all-star championship against them. Is that like the commuter lane? (laughs) In the dick lane? Against the mass hole, Mike McCarthy. Derek Seminetti takes on Wildman Congo. Reserved front row tickets are $15 online only. Advanced general admission tickets are $10 when purchased online and at Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem, Massachusetts or Paper Asylum in Beverly, Mass. $12. What? Okay. $12 general admissions will be on sale at the door. This event is a fundraiser for LifeBridge North Shore. LifeBridge's mission is to end the crisis of homelessness and all this and so much more is all going down in Beverly on April 27th. Now, I would just like to say to Adam three weeks from now, that's how you edit a promo read so it's fucking normal. All right, Sal, you're up. Tell us about what's going on in Bruce City. Saturday, May 18th, Bruce City Wrestling presents Retribution from the Elks Lodge 400 in Waukesha, Wisconsin, ringside tickets are $20, $18 advance at BrewCityWrestling1.com. Doors open at 6.45. Bell time is at 7.30. See former WWE star Swoggle, as well as ROH stars, the bouncers, plus the stars of BCW Live matches to be announced soon. All right. All right, Atlantic Pro Wrestling returns to the Newburyport Elks Lodge with another great night of wrestling action. Tickets $15 at the door, advanced general admission $12, reserved front row seats $20, reserved second row seats $15, reserved front and second row gets you early admission to the event. Tickets are available at the door and online. Check out Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Doors open at 6, 6.30 is your bell time. The show is headlined by your main event for the APW Heavyweight Championship as Dynamite Danny Miles defends against Bear Bronson. APW New England title on the line as Demon Ortiz takes on the mass hole, Mike McCarthy. The APW Women's Championship will be on the line when Vanity Vixen defends against Chris Statlander. APW Tag Team titles will be decided as the Nightbreed defend against American Maid. In Tag Team Action, Venom will take on the debut in Breakfast Club. Stay tuned for updates, and the card, as always, is subject to change. 
Blocky Pro Wrestling presents Stampede Mayhem on Saturday, May 18th at the Wendell P. Clark Memorial YMCA, 155 Central Street in Wichita, Massachusetts. Doors open at 6.30 p.m., live wrestling at 7.30 p.m. Tickets for this event are just $15. BluckyProWrestling.com, Wichita.html. Main event. <laughs> Don't say the HTML. Just say LuckyProWrestling.com. They can figure it out from there. Uh, main event in tag team action: LPW champion Vern Vicel and Roy Bishop with Danica, Royce, WWE Royce, legend Royce Mr. Bishop. Hughes and Kellen Thomas. Proceeds help fund the Clark YMCA's Building Brighter Futures annual campaign. Scheduled to appear: LPW Women's Champion Adira, Impact Wrestling's Alicia Edwards. Alicia, Alicia. second I'm in a row. Alicia Edwards, <laughs> Shea Cass. Sweatboy Christopher James, Dan Terry, Isana, Ronnie Ribs, Ava Everett. More to be announced except what? Except known piece of shit, Todd Sopel. Amen to that, brother. He won't be there. Okay, awesome. Stampede Battle Royal. Stampede Battle Royal with the winner receiving the Wichita Cup and a Hard Knocks title match at LPW Fall Frenzy on Saturday night, September 14th at the Clinton Mass Elks Hall. And that is going to do it for the rundown for this Thursday, April 25th. Please go and rate our show five stars and review it. As always, we will read review all read all five star reviews on the air. Seriously, guys, if you can't support us on Patreon, those five star reviews do a lot to help us out. So just throw one out there. Even if you fucking hate us, throw us a five star review because you you know helps us out a little bit. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at instagram.com slash rundownwrestling. Of course, go to YouTube for YouTube slash rundownwrestling. Please, leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your sexy voices. Even if it's just the sound of you jerking off in the background. Just tell us. We want to hear it. 617-863-6967. That is 61. Rundown 7. We are on Patreon. Go head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. All patrons receive early access to shows on the Rundown feed as well as some swag and original content. Also, when you subscribe at the $20 level, the free t-shirt comes out. Check out our website, rundownwrestling.com, for more information on all the great shows such as Nitro Mania Podcast, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, Making the Grade, NXT Revisited, ROH Dishonorable Discharge, and WrestleMania Salvation. Of course, that's also where you go to vote on the hottest women tournament as we are in the erotic eight of, once again, tonight's matchup. It is Zelina Vega. Zelina's versus Paige, right? Is that what I said it was? That's correct. I believe so, yep. All right, that is going to be a barn burner, so go check that one out and let us know what you think. Also, check out our friends Brawler, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts dropping every Monday facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com also check out our friend Justin Michaels and his show Yesterland Waltz go to yesterlandwaltz.com or watch it on your Roku through the RNTV app or the 24-7 retro app you need to stop changing things while I'm trying to do this it's really really distracting Sal you're killing me (laughs) 
You can follow our host on Twitter at jstuart0920. That is J-S-T-U-A-R-T-0920. At Rockstar Troy. At Salmania Wrestling. At Realist Tommy. At Johnny Analog. At Ginger19876. At Hurry Up and Cruiser. And at AKA Danny Daniels. I think we already did that one. But somebody changed mine. Fuck you, whoever changed that. But anyway. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks, Ginger. Hey, thank you very much. Um, I haven't had one follow- new follower on my Twitter. Fuck, guys, give me a reason to post. It's not because I don't fucking can't understand that weird date thing that you gave him. Anyway, thank you, Sal. Thank you, Jason. Always a fun time on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And once again, we want to thank Sal for his years of service on the Rundown and wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors on the Anchor Network. I'm not the one who has a fucking podcast on Anchor. Next week. Next week, we discuss the virtues of... Never mind. Beautiful women! (laughs) I guess that means we will see ya next Thursday. We'll see your ass next time. Bye! This has been a production of the Rundown Wrestling Network. If you're interested in having your podcast join the Rundown Wrestling Network, please email us at rundownwrestling at gmail.com for more information. And thank you for listening. <laughs>